Exodus 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you talking, taking the people away from their labor? Go back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave his order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same no- number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to the lives. Then the slave drivers and overseers went out and said to the people, This is what Pharaoh says. I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, Complete the work required of you for each day, just as when you had straw. And Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelite overseers they had appointed, demanding, Why haven't you met your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? Then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh, Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, lazy, that is what you are, lazy. That is why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. The Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told, you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. When God promises deliverance, Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people and you have not rescued your people at all. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, Mary and Aubrey, before you guys leave, I think your father and I have a couple follow-up questions on that one-on-one um, you guys had. just like to um, just, just poke around that a bit, if we could. Good morning. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, we are um, going through the life of Moses, trying to see our God through Moses' eyes, and Uh, This morning, we get this really uplifting passage um, (laughs) that we get to look at together, that um, we get to look at this uplifting theme, when obedience makes things worse, right? (laughs) When you're trying to be faithful to God and everything falls apart. And um, we're going to talk about that today and uh, just look at what what Moses is walking through and and what sometimes we walk through. And, And many of us in this room are going through hard times. We're um, we're carrying heavy burdens, and so it's good to uh, just kind of sit with Moses today and consider our God as well and, and what 
this journey with our God is like sometimes. So let's just jump right in. Um, so just to remind you of the context, if you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, context is chapters 3 and 4 where uh, Moses receives this call right at the, the burning bush. And he's clearly this reluctant leader, right? He doesn't want to do it, but God sends him, and he's really armed only with the presence of God with him, his promise, I'll be with you. And he's given a couple cool, I call them parlor tricks that he can show people that God's uh, with him, but that's all he's got. And he, and he goes back. And if you're reading carefully chapters three and four, you would see that God's made it clear that this is not going to be easy, okay? Back in chapter three, he, he says that... Um, he says, Pharaoh will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. And then in chapter 4, he actually says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will not let you go. Okay, and next week we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but Moses has enough information going back to know this is not going to be easy. This is going to be really challenging. I mean, this is, this is going to be tough. But then at the end of chapter 4, what, what God does is he, he gives Moses a couple, I'd say, uh, initial successes, a couple reassurances that I think are there to bolster him for this tough journey ahead. So in uh, verse 27 of chapter 4, I'm back in chapter 4, God says uh, to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So Moses has just had this encounter with God, and he says, I don't speak very well. And God says, don't worry, I'll send your brother Aaron. And then Aaron shows up. In, in the wilderness and meets up with Moses. And that must have been really, I would think, encouraging, assure, uh, reassuring to him, okay, my brother's going to do this with me. And then they go back together to Egypt. And at the end of chapter 4, uh, they perform the signs for the, the uh, Hebrew leaders. And look at the end of chapter 4, verse 31. When the Israelites, when the Hebrew leaders heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and they worshiped, Okay. So God kind of sends him off on this tough journey. He says it's going to be hard, but then he gives him a couple initial assurances. Aaron shows up, and they have a good reception with the Hebrew leaders. And, and so um, Moses is, I think, being encouraged. And I'll just say, God doesn't always do this, but I would say this is a ra- regular thing I've experienced in my life. When, when I sense that God is calling me into something new or there's some theme that he's trying to work in me, that when I choose to be faithful and pursue that, oftentimes he gives me some, some initial indication that, yes, this is the right road. I call them Scooby snacks. Like he'll, you know, he'll give, yes, like this is a little Scooby snack. This is a, I'm telling you, this is the right way to go. And he's, he's rewarding and just kind of assuring us that, yes, it doesn't have to do that, but oftentimes in my life he has done that. New theme, and I, I kind of step out, and there's this initial, um, he kind of just says, yes, this is, this is what I'm doing in you. And, and Moses gets that. Um, but what we're going to see in, um, in chapter 5 is, is Moses is going to bump up against the full force of the challenges ahead of him, but he has some reassurances. Um, how many of you were here last week, heard Daniel Watts? Yeah, wasn't he? that was amazing. Um, Daniel and Marla, and, and Daniel shared his story where, um, you know, they were in Orange County. He was a children's pastor here in Orange County. And then he felt this crazy call uh, to go to Poland and, and to do ministry there. And that would be a pretty wild adventure. And he sensed God was calling him to do that. And so he started to step out in faith. And God really gave them some initial encouragement. There was some financial stuff that needed to be taken care of. Um, God provided money, and he provided a free house for like six months for them before they left. And that was one of those moments, I feel like, where, you know, God kind of like, yes, this is the right direction. And Moses gets that 
Um, but now he's going he's gonna, to, you know, he's going to have a rude awakening, basically, when he, when he starts to try to enact this plan. And so let's just look at this for Moses. And I would imagine um, many of you in this room will relate to at least parts of what Moses has to deal with. He's got it. I mean, we probably don't have it quite as severely as him, but um, some of you will relate to some of the things that he's up against. So I would say, as I looked at this this week, um, three obstacles or three challenges that Moses faced in this passage, and I'll just kind of talk them through a little bit and then, and then bring it home to our lives today. Um, so the first one, the most obvious one, I'll put these up, um, the most obvious one was the challenge of Pharaoh himself, right? So verse 1, he goes to Pharaoh with that famous line, let my people go. And Pharaoh uh, has an answer, and this is the answer. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? Okay? Uh, and that either means Yahweh, never heard of him, okay? Never heard of the guy. Uh, most scholars think there's something a little deeper, a little bit more defiant going on in Pharaoh's posture. This is Pharaoh's opening line, okay? This is the first time we've heard from this Pharaoh, this particular Pharaoh, and this. This kind of, it's his thematic verse for Exodus. Here it is. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? This, I think, willful resistance to the Lord. Who is the Lord to me, right? Uh, I'm not going to let Yahweh, whoever he is, I'm not going to let him tell me what to do. I'm Pharaoh, right? I, I, I do my own thing. And um, really, Pharaoh's kind of the, the poster child for human resistance to God, Right? He, like, he embodies um, human defiance and human resistance to God. Uh, I'm not going to let him go. And this kind of sets up the tension right, of the next 10 chapters of Exodus that we'll see uh, next week. Um, but I want to just stay with Pharaoh for a minute uh, because cause Pharaoh really, he embodies, I would say, the, the, the two um, most problematic postures of the human heart, which is uh, idolatry and injustice. Okay, and I want to talk through this for a second. So the very next thing he says uh, in verse 2 is this, I don't know the Lord, and I will not let the Israelites go. Okay? And each one of those phrases captures what I want to say. First, you have idolatry. I don't know the Lord. Okay? Pharaoh embodies the, the human posture that refuses to acknowledge the living God of the universe, refuses to worship him, to submit to him. And, of course, usually what happens is instead of worshiping God, there's some other God. There's idolatry at play, right? For Pharaoh, he worships the God of the gods of Egypt. They had the sun god. They had ver various gods in the Egyptian kind of culture that Pharaoh was a part of. And, of course, Pharaoh himself is sort of an embodiment of, of a god. And so um, Pharaoh's idolatry is wrapped up with Egyptian idolatry, but also he is his own idol, right? I mean, he is, he is his own lord and master and ruler, and his power and his wealth and his fame, those are the things that he worships. So there's idolatry in him, and then what goes with that is that second idea of injustice, I will not let the Israelites go. Here's a man who commits... Uh, atrocities against the Israelites in this chapter, right? Great injustice. And you just heard Mary read the passage, so I won't read it again. 
But let me just tease some of these out. Look at uh, verse 4. Look what he says in verse 4. Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Right? Here's a guy who sees the Hebrews as simply a labor force, right? As a means to building up these store cities in Egypt, to building up his empire. They're just a means to an end. Verse 7, right? You're no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Well, how is that possible, right? You've just doubled the work, and you're requiring them to meet the same quota. So this guy who's utterly unreasonable, right? There's, there's no way that they can do this. And when they come to him, I, I thought this was amazing. When the Hebrew leaders come to him in verse 17, they're like, this is unreasonable. We can't possibly do this. What's his response? Look at verse 17. Lazy. That's what you are. You're lazy, right? So he is a picture of injustice. He's cruel. He's unrealistic. He's unsympathetic. He's oppressive, idolatry, and injustice. And if you just read the rest of the story of the Old Testament up to Jesus, you will find that those are the two central problems in the enemies of God. They're the two central problems in the people of God, actually. When the prophets come to Israel, their two primary concerns are idolatry and injustice. And what I want to say this morning is, is just we're just kind of teasing this out a little bit, but those two always go hand in hand, okay? When we fail to worship the living God, when we fail to acknowledge God as God, and when we worship other gods, inevitably, we will end up mistreating God's image bearers, his people. Idolatry, injustice. Injustice always follows idolatry. As we pursue our idols, whatever they might be, we fail to treat God's image bearers the way they're intended to be treated. Romans 1 says it, right? They knew God, but they, they didn't glorify God. They didn't give Him thanks. They, they worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator. That's idolatry. Therefore, what does God do? God handed them over to their desires. They're filled with greed, lust, violence, this long, nasty list of injustices. Idolatry leads to injustice. And Pharaoh is the poster child for that. And Moses, really for the first time, is really hitting up against the full force of that, human defiance and evil. And he's experiencing in chapter 5 what he kind of already knew, what he kind of already told God, which is, I'm no match for Pharaoh, right? I can't, I can't, I can't win this battle. And throughout his life, what we'll see in the next couple months, throughout his life, Moses will bump up against human evil, human defiance to the living God, injustice, idolatry, tough things. He'll bump up against it again and again, and yet he's still called to lead in the midst of it. He's still called to lead a people through the evils of the world, their own and the world's, called to do his faithful part against forces that are bigger than him, that are out of his control, yet called to lead in spite of and even through it. And um, any of us that have been in part of any form of leadership, which is pretty much all of us in this room, <laughs> um, we experience that. We know what it, it looks like to bump up against the human heart when it fails to acknowledge and submit to the living God 
and when it fails to treat God's image bearers the way that God intends us to treat them. And we'll see this in Moses' life. So that's the first, the most obvious uh, challenge in this, pas- in this passage is, is, of course, Pharaoh himself. Uh, second challenge, I would say, is Israel, right? The very people that Moses has come to save. And, um, you know, in this chapter, they feel like just, to me, just the innocent victims in all of this, right? There's going to be a showdown between Moses and Pharaoh, between God and Pharaoh, and they are the, the casualties of that showdown. And you just think about after, you know, they've had decades, we don't know, maybe a century of, of slavery. We don't know how long this has been going on. But after so much crying out, finally, Moses and Aaron show up. They have like a hint, a ray of hope, maybe God's going to be at work. And then Moses and Aaron start doing their things and everything gets worse, right? It goes from, from really hard to unbearable, to, to unsustainable, and you just feel for them, right? And um, so they come to Moses at the end of this passage, right? In verse 21, uh, with this lovely phrase, uh, May the Lord look on you and judge you, Moses. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and to his officials. Um, <laughs> this is the first words we get from the the. Hebrew leaders in, in the book of Exodus, uh, and they're not very nice words. Um, again, I feel compassion for them in this passage. There'll be other times where I will feel less compassion for them, right? But this is, the, this is sort of the first thing that Moses hears, at least that we get recorded from um, the people that he's going to lead out of Israel. It reminds me of a word he heard from a single Israelite, remember back in chapter 2, when he tried to intervene, and remember what that Israelite said? Who made you ruler and judge? Right? May the Lord look on you and judge you. Who made you ruler and judge? And so what's happening in chapter 5 is uh, <laughs> Moses is starting a relationship with Israel, which I would describe as um, complicated at best, right? Complicated, challenging, um, on their end, they will follow him, they'll resist him, they'll praise him, they will blame him, they will complain and grumble to him on his end. Uh, he will love them, he will care for them, he will serve them, he will lead them, he'll get frustrated with them, he'll get angry at them, he'll be exasperated by them, right? It's a very complicated relationship. They would be, I think, both the blessing and the bane of his life, right? Called to lead this people and experience a relationship that would be very complicated. And I was thinking, again, for us in this room, you know, anyone who's been in any form of leadership uh, knows some of that dynamic, being called to care for, lead, guide people and experiencing the full uh, complexity of those people's hearts, Um, their love, their fickleness, their grumbling, their resentments, right? Any of us who have parented children, who've tried to shepherd human beings from zero to 18 and beyond, um, know that complicated dynamic of, of leading people you love deeply and that can infuriate you so much. 
Um, any of us who, who oversee people, who lead people in our context of work, right, who manage people, <laughs> know very well the, the challenges, the complexities uh, of that relationship and, and what it's like to try, to try to do that. Anybody who's involved in church leadership, anyone who oversees a small group or a ministry, right, uh, or nonprofit, any of that knows the complicated relationship with broken people. And I always say, you know, church would be so easy if, if it weren't for people, you know. And <laughs> ministry would be so clean um, if it weren't for people. And I'm a person too, you know. The pastors are people too. Um, but I think about, I mean, just those are the first two lines that Moses gets from this people he would lead. And I have thought a lot about, um, I think I would guess Moses' life was lonely at times. Like, I bet there was a loneliness um, to his leadership, right? I mean, he, um, yeah, I think, I think there was a loneliness at times for him. There's an isolated feeling uh, that came with just the dynamics of trying to lead this people. And um, yet he was called to lead in the midst of a very complicated relationship with a group of beautiful and broken people. So that's the second challenge. And then I would say the third one, maybe not so obvious on the surface, um, but most obvious to Moses, the third challenge was, I think, God himself in this passage, right? And if you ask, um, what does God do that's so wrong in this chapter? The answer is absolutely nothing, right? Absolutely nothing. After two chapters of promises, of uh, assurances, of signs and wonders, right, of of calling Moses into this, Moses steps into this role, and in chapter 5, God just seems to disappear. He doesn't say a thing in chapter 5. He doesn't do a thing, and everything is falling apart, right? After, after two chapters of speaking, speech, and then just, boom, gone, where are you? And that's really what Moses cries out. Look at... Um, Verse 22, here's Moses' cry. Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? <laughs> why? I never wanted to do this in the first place, right? And finally, I step in, and, and you're, you've just disappeared. You have left. I, I don't know where you are, but why are you doing this? And I was thinking this week, that, that cry, why, that's a, very, um, that's a very common cry in the Scriptures, right? Why, O oh Lord? Or sometimes, how long, O oh Lord? That's the cry of the psalmists oftentimes. It's why is the cry of Jesus himself on the cross, quoting from Psalm 22. Why have you forsaken me? That is, it's the cry of the faithful who are seeking to follow God when God is uh, conspicuously absent, conspicuously silent. Why, Lord? Why have you done this? Why have you brought trouble on these people? Interesting dynamic. Um, look at this. Uh, look at verse 22. Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? And then he says in verse 23, ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people. Right? So which is it? You brought trouble on this people or he brought trouble on this people? Answer? Yes. Both. Right? Moses is right. Both, okay? Clearly, Pharaoh is the direct cause of trouble, right? 
Um, Pharaoh's bringing trouble on the people. And yet we found out in chapter 4 that God was going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And God doesn't seem to be stepping in. And so Moses is saying, God, you, you're bringing trouble on your people. And I think sometimes, in, I would just say in American Christianity, we, we try to let God off the hook. Uh, and we, we kind of, we hear things like this, well, you know, that's, I mean, people making their choices and the human heart is evil. And, and that's what's to blame. And that's all very true. Um, but if you read scripture, uh, the, the, the biblical authors don't let God off the hook as quickly as some of us do. They just don't. I mean, read the Psalms. They just don't. God, you're the sovereign God of the universe. You're in control of all things. You can fix this. You're not. So I'm blaming you. <laughs> you have your role to play in this. And I think that's true. I think that's, that's, that's simply what we see modeled in Scripture. And Moses would spend um, <laughs> a lifetime wrestling with this God right? I mean, you think about his relationship with God throughout his life. He, he's wrestling here. He's, he's wrestling from the beginning, from the bush. And um, he'll spend a lifetime just in this tug of war with God. Again, ca- called in this role he, he never asked for, didn't really, wa- really want. Watching God, though, do amazing things sometimes. And then sometimes feeling God's apparent absence, feeling like God isn't Stepping up the way a good, loving God ought to. I, I would imagine why uh, would be a regular cry of his heart. And um, this is true of all the faithful, right? All, all the faithful of God's people at various times in their lives, various times of our lives, are going to be stepping into things that we think God wants us to be doing and uh, finding him at least seemingly absent or silent, or, or for sure not doing things the way that would make sense for us, that would reasonably make sense for us that, that he ought to do them, and left with this, this question, why? What, what gives? What are, you, what are you doing? And Scripture doesn't really totally answer that other than to give us that question as a model for our relationship with God. You get to wrestle with him. Israel's name means wrestles with God. And Moses will do that wrestling as well. Again, not the most uplifting passage in all of Scripture. But let me just sum this up. Look look at these phrases we get. Pharaoh, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Israel, may the Lord look on you and judge you. And Moses, why, Lord? Why have you brought trouble on this people? And we don't get the Lord's speech until chapter 6. And let me just give you the first verse. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. Then, we don't know how long this was, chapter 5, how much time that represents. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country, right? This is God's answer to the question, why? Now you will see. Now you will see what I will do. And what what Moses doesn't know is what we know, because we've read this story before, that that God actually wants to build the tension, right? God is like, the image I had in my mind this week, it's like he's he's building this pressure cooker. And he's building the pressure, and it's, it's about to explode in this beautiful act of deliverance. 
It's a beautiful act of salvation that's going to be powerful, that's going to be awesome, that the whole world is going to see. And so this building of pressure is part of that beautiful plan. And so what's clear to us uh, in this chapter is that Moses, he is on the right path, right? He's exactly doing what God asked him to do. He's on the right path. Uh, It's just a really hard path. (laughs) It's just a hard path. And so what he needed, what he needs in this moment is resilience. He needs trust. He needs to continue to do the right thing even when God seems to not be acting the way God ought to act, right? He needs to wait on the Lord. So I started, right, this, this theme is, is when obedience makes things worse. <laughs> when um, sometimes pursuing the Lord makes things harder, not easier, right? Again, Daniel Watts last week, I love that story. God gives him some initial encouragement, him and Marla, right? And they go off to Poland under the, um, this umbrella organization. And once they get there, this, this organization like implodes at the upper leadership, right? Falls apart and they are lef- they're left without any of their funding, any of the, the kind of organizational structure. So he and his wife are there with their three-year-old daughter on the other side of the world, right? And everything falls apart. We, were, we thought we were faithful, and this thing fell apart. And, I, and he was talking about it, crying out, why? <laughs> Sleepless nights, right? Why? But that, that falling apart was not an indication that they were not doing God's will, right? Actually, in the end, they ended up starting their own organization that many of us and our church has supported over the years. Um, but things fell apart, and that wasn't an indication that something was wrong. It just felt really wrong. And I was thinking of stories of, of people throughout history like, like Moses who are called, you know, like missionaries who are called off to, to um, Poland or to other parts of the world and sense this call of God and then they go and something terrible happens, right? They, they get killed by the people they went to or they, they meet these just unbearable obstacles. But then you see 30, 50, 70 years later how they planted seeds, right? How this was very much a part of God's plan, how their martyrdom ended up being this powerful, you know, testimony to the the peoples. Um, But called into these really hard things, going through really tough challenges, but very much in line with God's plan and God's purposes and God's call on their lives. And so I just, I want to just, as you just hear that, I just want us to consider our own lives. Most of us are not being called um, back to Egypt. Most of us aren't being called across the seas. Um, but we're all called into faithfulness in this season of our lives, right, in, in various ways and whatever that looks like for you right now. Uh, and, and for some of us, that means God is, has, has us in a season or is taking us into a season that's just going to be hard. It's going to be tough. Let me just give you a couple examples. Some of you, um, there's a relationship, there's a person that you are feeling God's tug, that, that you need to be pursuing, loving, caring for, um, and it's going to be hard. It's just going to be tough. Um, some of you are, are um, caring for your aging parents. I've seen a lot of that in our community over the last 10 years, and, and I know how, just, how hard that can be. It's just a long, hard road, and you're called to it, 
And, and stepping into that, it's going to make your life harder, not easier. And yet that's, that's what God's calling you to. Some, some of you, it might be a person, um, a friend, or uh, someone on your street, an, an, a neighbor, or someone who there's some real needs, and you're like, oh, I think I've been called into this, but it feels a little overwhelming. And if I do this, it's going to make my life a lot messier and harder. And yet it's still what God is calling you to do. Um, some of you might be called um, into your own just journey towards uh, spiritual health and commitment to the Lord. And that is going to create more problems for you. I, I was thinking this week of people who are in family situations where um, the family unit is pretty dysfunctional, pretty broken, and you're starting to see how God is calling you towards health, to pursue health, and it's, it's right and good. But if you do that it's going to disrupt the system that's in place because it's dysfunctional, but everyone knows where they fit, right? And you getting healthy is going to cause some havoc on these people. And so things are going to get worse uh, before they get better, but it still might, might be the call. Some of you, um, you might, there might be some, something in the marketplace that you feel like God is calling you into, some new business adventure, um, you know, some s- sort of entrepreneurial kind of movement, and you have a sense, this is actually God's behind this, and it's just going to be really hard. It's going to be, it's going to take a lot of you for a time, but it's, it's the right thing to do. And all of us, I think, just being Christians in the world may end up getting harder as time goes on. I'm just holding to historic Christian convictions on a number of things is going to make our lives uh, more challenging. Um, there's so many different ways this, this could play out. My point is, what is needed is resilience, is trust, is courage, is perseverance, is long-suffering, encouragement, right? It's just, this is the call. And we step into it, and we do it. I, I was thinking, who's the prophet where, is it Ezekiel where God says, I'm gonna, or is it Jeremiah? God says, I'm going to steal your mind because you're called to this really hard ministry. I'm going to give you like this, this head of stone that, that makes you strong, that you can do this really hard thing. And, and for some of us, that's just what we need. That's what Moses needed. He just needed to be resilient, right? He needed to, to stick it out. He needed to keep going. And I was, I'll just I'll kind of leave you with my own confession this week. I was so confronted this week um, by how much I love comfort and, and how much um, my personality, but I'll, I won't blame my personality, how much I, um, I will just choose the path of least resistance oftentimes. Like I'll see something that would be the right thing and I'll just avoid it because it would just be hard. <laughs> I just don't, I don't want to do it because um, it's hard and I love comfort. And, and I was even realizing there, there can be in me this, this twisted theology. I don't believe this on paper, but in my mind, I think like um, if I'm really in the flow of God's plan for my life, like if I could finally get in the flow of God's plan for my life, like finally things will kind of flow. <laughs> kind of, you know, like if, I, if I'm really listening faithfully to the Spirit and like, okay, God, and I'm moving out, I'm doing that, like things will just kind of fall into place. Things will click and I can just see it working. And I read Moses this week and I'm like, the answer is like, Maybe. You know, sometimes, um, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe actually things getting hard is an indication that you, you're doing the right thing. I mean, it could be, right? 
I mean, it could be part of God's plan, and it doesn't really matter what, how it's flowing or not. The, the only question is, God, what are you calling me to do? Right? Where, where are you calling me to obey? What does faithfulness look like? Okay, then that's what I need to do. It doesn't really matter about the challenges or the, you know, whether this makes things easier or harder. That, that's not the definitive question. It's just, gosh, what would faithfulness be to you in this? And some of you right now are in a place where um, maybe like what obedience would be is actually pretty clear. It's just hard. (laughs) It's pretty clear. It's just going to cost you something. It's going to be hard. And so what we need is courage, grit, (laughs) spiritual grit, trust, waiting on the Lord, committing ourselves to Him, continuing to do the right thing, And we need to encourage one another in that. We need to strengthen our feeble knees, as as Paul says in one place. Let me leave you with uh, Psalm 27. I love this psalm. It begins this way. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? What challenges do I need to be afraid of? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then it ends uh, famously with this line here. Wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. And I love that comma. That's exactly what Moses needed. Wait for the Lord, Moses, right? It's coming. Now you will see what I will do. Trust him, depend on him, be strong, take heart, take courage, and wait. And that is a call always to God's people. Let me pray. And I'd encourage you right now to, to consider, uh, is there something that God is calling you into right now? It might be obedience in a situation. It might be a, a relationship that you need to pursue. It might be a ministry opportunity. Um, there might be something in you that knows, like, yes, this is the thing. Uh, but it's just going to be hard. It's going to cost And maybe you can just bring that before the Lord right now and, and, and agree with him, yes, Lord, I think this is what you're calling me into. And if that is, then I need you to give me the courage. I need you to give me the resilience. I need you to give me the energy. I need you to give me the time. I need you to give me the rest that I'll need. I'll need you to give me whatever it is, Lord. You have to provide the resources, internal and external. If you're calling me to do this, I need you to show up. Maybe you're already in the midst of something that's really hard. You're not being called into it. You're in it. And you're, maybe you're tired right now um, or you're discouraged or you're frustrated or you're angry. What would it look like to hear this psalm? What would it look like to hear God say, wait on me. Continue to wait on me. Be strong. Take heart and wait on me, and you will see what I will do. Father, I pray that 
through the power of your spirit, uh, you might strengthen us in our inner being so that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. It would be rooted and grounded in his love, and we'd have courage to, to walk the path that you have for us in this season, whatever that might be. Strengthen us, Lord, by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.